Welcome in, everybody. It is a Friday here at Riverwind Casino. Always super excited to be out here to see Justin and the crew at Riverwind. They are simply the best over uh, really close to 3,000 electronic games now. They have all the best games out here for you to play and win, including all your favorite table games as well. They have a great poker room, newly renovated two high-stakes areas. They've got off-track betting. They have the best bars and dining options out here. Again, a a fantastic hotel attached to the casino and so many things to do. Winning a jackpot is just the start. Great concerts, of course. Uh, We've got more great shows coming uh, to Beats and Bites in the Showplace Theater. In fact, the next three concerts you need to be thinking about you've got dwight yoakam august 19th at the showplace theater counting crows august 25th still some seats left for the counting crows by the way if you want to get online at riverwind.com and get your tickets that would be a smart move on your part and we have the final summer beats and bites show coming up august 26th with gary allen on the coop aleworks beats and bites stage out here at riverwind casino and don't forget they just added a brand-new Fall Beats and Bites show. Everybody was looking forward to seeing the Gin Blossoms, Tonic, and Wakeland headlined by the Gin Blossoms, but they got weathered out on that situation, so they've rescheduled that for October 22nd. The Gin Blossoms with Tonic and Wakeland out here at Riverwind, a Fall Beats and Bites show. So great dining options out here. It's Friday night at the River Buffet. That means steak night, tomorrow night, seafood night, great brunch on Sunday. I'm right here at our spot, right in front of Chips and Ales Pub Restaurant, another great location to come get a great meal. And they've got a tremendous food court as well. It is Friday. How we doing, Parker Thune? Are you are you getting nervous? Rehearsal dinner tonight? What's going on? I'm not really nervous, I wouldn't say, Steely. It's been a uh, it's been a jam-packed last couple of days. Obviously, today and tomorrow will be jam-packed as well, but it's the uh, it's the last day of my single life. What are we going to do to celebrate? Do you have a bachelor party planned? The bachelor party was in July, so we've already done the bachelor party. We okay, have to, that's we right. we got to do something on the show to commemorate it. I'm not even sure how we should go about celebrating this. I need suggestions from the Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line. What do we do to make the last show of my single life a memorable one? There you go. I like that idea. 405. 405- 651-3439 on the Meyer Chevrolet text line. That is 405-651-3439. Love Fridays. Love Riverwind. What a great combination. Friday and Riverwind Casino. Get on out here. Take part in their $100,000 New Scene 17 celebration. Birthday month for Riverwind is August. They'll be celebrating again all month long their 17th birthday as the best casino experience in the metro area. Okay, so I like your idea right there of, uh, you know, how, how do we make this a special show for Parker, his last show here as a single man. But I'm also wondering, um, I'm sorry, I just got a text message. Hang on. Um, I am wondering, now I lost my train of thought. I'm sorry. Uh, you could sing the wreck of the Edmund Fitzgerald, says uh, Shay Steely. Uh, it's too long. <laughs> Way too long. Way too long. Now I lost my train of thought. What was I? I was going to ask you something really brilliant, and I totally forgot. You're coming up on birthday number 60, Steely. The, uh... Well, it was the text message I got, and I'm thinking, what? Oh, no, this could be an And it just threw me off. So, anyway. Um, God, lay that. Okay. 
Well, I was going to ask you if you've heard of uh, the story uh, that I got told this morning I didn't know about, the near the beating of Drake Dyken. Have what? you heard that story? The beating of Drake Dyken? The beating of Drake Dyken. We'll have to tell you that. Well, it didn't quite happen, but it nearly did. And if there's anybody who deserves a beating at the ref, it may, you know, it might be Drake Dyken, right? <laughs> the beating of... Okay, tell me the story. Okay, real quick to lead off before we get into conference realignment and everything. So I'm listening to Drake and, uh, and uh, TJ... You know, this morning while I'm putting uh, some stuff together for the show, and I heard, yeah, well, you know, that uh, they were talking about Sonny Galloway getting a new job, and they said, yeah, well, at least Drake survived because Sonny Galloway was on the way to beat him up, quote, kick his you-know-what. So I'm like, and somebody said, you got to tell that story, and TJ's like, no, it's been told too many times. So when I got in today, I said, no, i got to hear this story. So Drake, uh, our great engineer, sometimes host, um, I guess he was a 19-year-old college kid, either working part-time or would have been an intern at the time. So he's sitting in those chairs in your studio, like back against the uh, east wall, not even on the microphone. James James Hale's on the air at the time interviewing Sonny Galloway. But somehow, someway, there is a situation where if you're on the telephone – if there's a certain button punched in that studio, and I don't think it's this way anymore, but if there at the time it was this situation, if there was a certain button that was punched up, then whoever was on the phone could hear anything that was said in the control room. It didn't have to be on air. It could be somebody saying, hey, you know, we might want to think about this, or in any conversation they would hear. So apparently what had happened is the weekend prior, the Sooners had been shellacked, had a horrible series, you know, got swept, committed a bunch of errors and everything and i guess james asked sonny you know how do you feel like your team is playing and sonny said well you know i still think we're playing you know good baseball or whatever and a young drake dyke and a 19 year old ou student said in the background quotes well that's an effing lie guess who heard it Oh, yikes. And guess who thought, had no knowledge of that being a just a situation that was happening off air, but guess who thought that actually went on the air? Yeah, the coach. So anyway, um, because apparently Sonny just kind of stopped and froze, and then he answered some questions after that very tersely, you know, didn't really elaborate much. And then he made some calls and found out what had happened and who had said it, and apparently was on the way to the station for the beating of Drake Dyken. Oh, no. And then what happened? Was there an intervention? He, there was an intervention. Several calls were made. Even, uh, you know, the the host at the time said, you can't do that. This kid's an OU student. You know, it would be a horrible mistake. But And then uh, Drake uh, was made to apologize and always made well. But apparently the vehicle was en route. Uh, and we nearly had the beating of Drake Dyke in there in in the radio station. So things that might have happened. So I thought that was interesting. I was TJ and I were talking and said, wouldn't it have been great if he'd have broken through and like gotten had Drake and like a Nolan Ryan, Robin Ventura headlock, you know? And I said, you know, Drake, the de- the deal is you should have just said no apology here. 
made sure that he came out, and you would have had like a yacht in the Bahamas right now. You wouldn't be doing what you're doing right now. You would have a lot of money in your bank account. You wouldn't be worried about, you know, whether we were on the air or not. You'd just be worried about your tan and your next pina colada, and that's it. But it never happened. So that is the story. It should be entitled, I guess, the near beating of Drake Dykin. I thought he'd actually got beaten. Would you at the top of the list for guys that need to be beaten at the ref? No, absolutely not. On the totem pole of guys that need to be beaten, I don't know. No one stands. That's the problem. That's the problem. We don't really have a punching bag. Maybe we need a punching bag. Maybe that's what we're missing at the ref. We need a punching bag. We really don't because we don't have like a major egomaniac. You know, walking around or anything like that. So you're right. We're all good people. We're great people. Suggestions from the Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line as to what we should do to celebrate today. Another listener says, uh, a listener in the 404 says, do the show high, Parker. Uh, That will not be happening. (laughs) Uh, Should have done remote from a strip club. That will also not be happening. Blacktop Billy says, we could play any clip of Howard Stern interviewing some strippers. Uh, this this is more on brand. A couple of listeners have said you should shotgun an Olipop. A listener in the 918 says, Parker has to drink a strong mocktail. Pour it up strong, Steely. There you go. Well, I'm out here, and he's back in the Buffalo Wild Wings studios. But I, you could, we could make you down an Olipop. Now, the thing is, we wouldn't really know. We would have to have somebody get a video of you downing the Olipop. So... We could do that. That's a pretty good idea. Slim Brady right, says, suggestions. Slim Brady says, demolish the white buffalo. Tommy says, Parker, congratulations, and what else? Shot, 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 shot. Uh, Ohio Sooner says, since Parker is committing to a lifelong partner, how about the most memorable commitments to the University of Oklahoma? There you go. That's a radio man right there. Did you uh, ever commit to anybody else and then uh, uncommit, you know, flip? No, there was never a flip. A flip was never in play. I uh, I took my visits. I was intentional with the process. And once I made my initial commitment, I fully intended to follow through all the way up until signing day. I guess tomorrow is more accurately signing day than commitment day. Well, here's the deal, though. You know, Rebecca is, uh, you know, Alabama blue blood, no doubt. Fine young lady. But what if some other lady came in with some big NIL money? Could you uh, DJ Hicks this thing tomorrow? No, I am not a sugar baby, Steely. That does not move the needle. Okay. That does not move the needle for me. I just want to make sure. I I figured that would be the answer. And uh, no, you you got a winner there. So uh, nuptials tomorrow, by the way, and they will be live on the wedding channel. I'm being told. Is there a wedding channel? There probably is somewhere. I would think. All right, we want to thank Lasher Home Comfort Systems, 405-579-3113, 405-579-3113. Oh, I know what I was going to ask you now. Should we ask Caden McFarland to come on and apologize to the Sooner Nation? We should see if he's willing to apologize. Yeah, I, I don't know if we just cold call him or what. I was thinking about it. I don't know what his mood would be, but he... Uh, it was the beating of Caden McFarland on social media yesterday. That one really happened. I don't so know. Maybe Caden's usually a K- guy, he, he stands by his opinions. I wonder if he even he wants does. to apologize. Yeah, well, we can ask him. We'll ask him. If, maybe. 
All right, we're here at Riverwind. It's a Friday. It's great to uh, be out here, as always, every Friday at Riverwind Casino. Let's take a quick break. Come back. A lot of recruiting stuff. We are going to talk conference realignment as well coming up, and somebody's probably going to be mad on the text line because we told uh, a personal story, so we'll see. All right, break time. Stay right here in the home of Sooner fans. Welcome back, Riverwind, on a Friday. Uh, guys and gals, if you haven't been out here since the renovation uh, and you love Riverwind, well, you should be—you should have been out here by now, but the renovation is done. It looks unbelievable. We have the Showplace Theater back. We have a Skyloft gaming area. They've got all the best promotions, of course, uh, every month here at Riverwind, including the uh, $100,000 New Scene 17 celebration, celebrating uh, their 17th birthday this month. So always something happening here at the one and only uh, Riverwind Casino. Just saw the man, Justin, uh, walking by, looking dapper as usual and feeling good because this renovation is complete. And, again, it looks unbelievable. So good to have you with us. Appreciate you very much here on this Friday. Parker, uh, the Thune family nuptials are tomorrow. So uh, that's going to be a big deal. Uh, what do you think about what's going on in conference realignment right now, Parker? Because when when we woke up this morning, we heard, "Hey, guess what? The Pac-12's not dead." Okay, but and now we know that it's only a matter of time before Oregon and Washington are in the Big Ten. Uh, you know, or is Arizona? Is it? Is Arizona still? They got an invite from the Big Twelve. What's going to happen with ASU? What's going to happen with Utah? Florida State's upset. The ACC's in turmoil. They have a grant of rights through 2036. You talk about being hamstrung. That's about as hamstrung as you can get on a grant of rights deal. But what do you think what, about what's going on today? Now, I, okay, like here's, here's what I want to know, Steely. I, am I the only one that thought when I saw all those tweets and reports this morning about, oh, you know, the Pac-12's not actually dead. There's still a chance this gets salvaged. Was I the only one? Was I the only one that went okay? Bull crap on that. Like, did anybody actually believe that? Did anybody actually believe that the Pac-12 was going to keep it together with an Apple streaming deal? You know, uh, there were rumors of some other things, maybe that might solidify it. But no, I I didn't believe. I was thinking, ah, I don't know. It doesn't sound like why. How how can they stay together? I've always thought. First of all, you know my thoughts. I'm old, so I, this conference realignment, is it great for OU? Did they make the right move at the right time? Absolutely. Really, uh, OU and Texas, they were the first dominoes to fall. The dominoes are still falling. But, you know, in, it's going to be great to see Oklahoma play Alabama and Tennessee and Georgia and Arkansas and all those SEC opponents. The stadium's going to be re-energized again. More money coming into the program. But my overall thought on college football with this eventually is the whole poop house is going up in flames because it's just uh, there's so much greed so much movement you know if you've got there was some talk again about uh you know well what if the uh, you know the university of washington traveling that far or uh, oregon it doesn't make a lot of sense, but, you know, we, we always lock these conferences into geographical areas, and it's all about just going to find the most money and the most TV viewers that you can, and that's it. But it still feels like, I don't know, I'm excited again about the Sooners and the SEC because there is so much Big 12 fatigue out there, you know, uh, for OU fans. 
But at the same time, I still have that uneasy feeling about where this road's headed. Here's the thing, Steely. From where I stand, I, I'm very curious to see what happens with the rest of the Pac-12. Not that it matters a whole lot for people in the state of Oklahoma or for people who are primarily concerned with Sooner football, but just for the sake of college football as a whole. I am very curious to see which direction this swings because there are a couple options at play. Right, they can loop in a few Mountain West teams and try to keep the regionality of the conference intact. Or, and I know this this has been floated, this theory has been floated by Jason Shear, who is an Arizona beat reporter, and I don't know what sources he has, but he has been money on this whole realignment process thus far. Yeah, he one has. Of, one of the things he put out there was there's discussion of a merger between the Pac-12 and the ACC. Which I just, at that point, Steely, geography is completely irrelevant in college football. If we have a merger between the Pac-12 oh, yeah. and the ACC. Because you are talking about a world in which Washington State might fly across the country to play on a Saturday night 2,000 miles against a North Carolina state, for instance. And that's not really a matchup that's going to move the needle for anybody. What you have is... Or imagine if, going all the way to, like, Miami to play uh, the U, right? Well, I, I'm kind of operating under the assumption that Miami, Clemson, Florida State, and potentially North Carolina will eventually disassociate from the ACC and scatter to the four the, wins. The, but the, it does seem like you've always kind of felt, right, like Clemson, Florida State, Miami, North Carolina, somebody threw Virginia out there because there's some reason that Virginia is important as well. But um, that they would eventually wind up in the SEC, right? And once we saw SC and UCLA bolt for the Pac-10, we almost automatically thought, well, the next big prize is go get Oregon and Washington. Well, it looks like that's on the verge of happening now. But uh, we'll see what happens with the Big 12. You know, the only real offer out there that I've seen that's been officially extended was the one to Arizona. So what's going to happen? But I don't know. Are we looking at the almost the death of West Coast football to an extent? Now, obviously, these teams are still going to be playing, but it's, it's just amazing what's going on. And we knew eventually we were going to get to, like, what, three conferences with 20 teams or so, and that was going to be it. Um, but I've, like you were saying, I've always thought Clemson, Florida State, Miami, North Carolina, uh, those teams look like they would be SEC teams. But, again, you know what we're doing? We're thinking about geography again. And geography, like in a conference, in this potential conference merger between the Pac-12 and the ACC, that l- literally, for my money, Steely, becomes the most irrelevant conference in college football because – do you have some schools with some semblance of a brand? I mean, sure, but you have what you're going to end up having is traditional also rans in the Pac-12 and the ACC playing games against one another in a conference where there is no legitimate history in terms of regional rivalries, classic matchups. Nobody wants to watch Pitt against Oregon State, Steely. So I, I, I would rather watch. And maybe this is just me. I would ra- rather watch Maction on a Wednesday night. I would rather watch Kent State and Northern Illinois at that point than Pitt and Oregon State. You can't make me care about a matchup like that. 
You know, it's interesting. Uh, again, I, I just think that um, Oklahoma and Texas, the first dominoes to fall, and we knew eventually that more realignment was coming. The best thing the Big 12 did, and, uh, you know, they, they got hit in the back of the head with a two-by-four by OU and Texas, and they were woozy for a while. Bob Bowlesby was out. Uh, but hiring Brett Yormark was an absolute grand slam Younger home run. Cooler. This, yeah, that's right. Forward thinking, not reactionary. He's going out and trying to make things happen. And, uh, you know, um, we'll see what happens with some of the leftovers, how many uh, other teams maybe the Big 12 ends up getting. But uh, that was a great move because the Big 12, I don't think they were on the verge of collapse. But like I said, man, they – they were on the canvas. They didn't quite get the 10 count, but they got the standing 8 count. Yeah, and I mean, they, uh, luckily, Brett, your mark was there. The Big 12 was never going to fold. What the Big 12 could have done was lose a lot of potency if Brett, your mark didn't play his cards a certain way. But he did, and now it's the Pac-12 that is seemingly on the chopping block here as we head into the super conference era of college football. And that's really what's going to be. At this point, the Big 10 is going to have 18 teams. The Big 12 is going to have at least 14. The SEC is at 16. And we're just going to keep – I don't even know what the proper verb is there, Steely, but there's going to come a time at which we have essentially the AFC and the NFC, like in the NFL. It's probably going yeah, to be yeah. – it'll probably be the Big 10 and the SEC in college football. That'll probably what it ends up being. You know, uh, again, the, the guy who got the uh, good old-fashioned country uh, ass-kicking in this, of course, was George Klyovkov. And think about when uh, Larry Scott was out there in the Pac-12 and they were so close, it looked like to landing Oklahoma and Texas. And then uh, they were saying, "Now, nah, but we don't want, you know, Texas Tech and Oklahoma State coming along. Never happened. So glad that didn't happen. Can you imagine uh, you know, pre- and post-game shows for those games, you know, a night game in Seattle, Washington, or whatever. But George Klievkop, you know, just bumbled and fumbled and stumbled all the way through this and ends up with an Apple streaming deal. It's almost like, well, George, your other options. We'll, we've got the Apple deal. We can give you the Hallmark Channel. Uh, we got some local access for you. But, uh, you know, you can't be on, though, during Hallmark uh, Christmas movie season. That's reserved for Lacey Shea Bear. So, other than that, that's about all we can give you. I mean... That dude, I'm telling you, um, golly, the man who uh, who may have been the end of the uh, of the Pac-10 as we know it. So, all right, we'll take a break right here at Riverland. Get your thoughts on the text line. What do you think of all the conference realignment? The older you are, probably you're a slippery slope person like me. I'm sliding right down the slippery slope. And believe me, I love the Sooners going to the SEC and the more exciting matchups. But the overall future of college football. Yeah, I'm feeling leery about that. What do you guys think? Let us know. 405-651-3439, Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line. Brandon Drum will join us on the Riverwind Hotline coming up at 135 today and talk more recruiting. We'll jump into all of that stuff as well. Keep it right here on The Ref. Friday edition of Steelman and Thune here on the Home of Sooner Fans, the Ref Radio Network. Appreciate you guys joining us today. Back to the text line here in just a minute, 405-651-3439. I am looking out right now over this world-class gaming floor, the newly designed gaming floor here at Riverwind, and I believe it's the Sistine Chapel of local gaming. 
It's a masterpiece. How can I see this clearly? Well, I'll tell you how. The one, the only, Dr. Bellardo, the Advanced Laser and Cataract Center of Oklahoma. They've been the leaders, the absolute best in uh, vision correction in the metro area for well over 20 years now. And you, too, can benefit from their expertise. Get a free consult from Dr. Bellardo by calling 405 405- 755-7700, or go online to alcok.com, and they will treat you right, and their professional staff will get you taken care of, whether you're far-sighted or near-sighted. They can fix you up. Uh, like they always say, if you want to see far and you want to see near, you have to come here to the Advanced Laser and Cataract Center. And to win big and be highly entertained, you need to come here to Riverwind Casino on a Friday. All right, uh, so this from Brett McMurphy. Uh, who's really, really good and very trustworthy. Uh, Arizona State and Utah, quote, showing interest in the Big 12. Arizona has already applied for Big 12 membership, but the Big 12 now is exploring its options following the news of Oregon and Washington leaving for the Big 10. So the dominoes keep falling, and uh, I would think – we know that the Ducks and the Huskies are headed to the uh, the Big Ten. I would think it's only a matter of time before we see uh, Arizona, uh, the Sun Devils, and Utah in the Big 12. So we'll wait it out and see. 405-651-3439. You want to head to the text line? Let's see what the folks are saying. Uh, Cherokee Sooner says George Klievkoff is a weenie. Uh, K-Dub in the 918 said... Remember when SMU was given the death penalty and never and the NCAA never wanted to do that again because they never recovered? Because of all this realignment, it's a slow death, but how many teams is the incompetence of N- the NCAA and the greed of TV networks killing now? Yeah, it makes you wonder, what becomes of programs like Stanford and Cal and Oregon State, Washington State, if there isn't a merger between the Pac-12 and the ACC? And even if there is, that's not nearly as lucrative or as opportunistic as some of the situations that their peer programs are landing in right now in the Big 12 and the Big 10, and obviously the SEC is set for years to come. But, man, those schools out west that don't have a clear option as far as where they land conference-wise when all of this is done, I would not want to be part of that athletic program and have to worry about the future hanging in the balance as far as affiliation. Well, like uh, Norm said on Cheers one time, it's a uh, dog-eat-dog world out there, and he's wearing milk bone underwear. That's how George Klievkoff has to feel today because it has been an absolute disaster. But, yeah, you're right. I even heard a uh, rumor today that, you know, one of the things they were trying to do to keep Oregon and Washington from leaving the Pac-12, and they're headed to the Big Ten, was that Oregon State and Washington State were going to forfeit a share of revenue that they were getting from the conference and give it to, you know, Oregon and Washington. I mean, (laughs) that's the point we're at here. So, um, you know, we've always thought there were going to be about 60 teams who were really competing in super conferences. Will it be three? Will it eventually get to two? Uh, but, and, uh, you know, Greg Sankey's even talked about in the past, you know what, we could get to that situation and then we run our own championship. We don't need the NCAA, you know, we, uh, we can run it. So, um, you know, OU and Texas, again, the first dominoes to fall. 
I guess you can look back, you know, when the Big 12 got together and, you know, expand, you know, the Big 10 getting, you know, the Maryland's and Nebraska's obviously. So it, it, it's really gone back. But I'm talking about the big, the big earthquake uh, kind of was started by Oklahoma and Texas. And um, who knows what it's going to look like. But it probably will look like, again, about 60 teams that will compete and maybe even make their own rules, uh, own guidelines. Maybe they can even do something about NIL. That, that's such a tough court battle. Um, but I think we were always kind of headed down that highway eventually. Uh, a listener in the 405 says, Guys, loved Drake's comment about consolidating all of college football and introducing relegation. I must have missed that. Another listener says, Parker, was Key Lawrence out at practice today? Yes, Key Lawrence was at practice today. Uh, I've gotten a couple texts about something up with Key Lawrence. I don't know why that would be. I don't know what the deal would be. But, yeah, he was at practice today. I I saw him not two hours ago taking reps with all the other Sooner safeties under the direction of Brandon Hall. Uh, Got a text with a screenshot of a tweet from an NFL meme account, which is generally – not the most compelling content, at least for a program like this one. But this is astonishing, Steely. I figured I would share. Stetson Bennett and Sony Michelle were on the same team together at Georgia. That would be the 2017 team that beat Oklahoma in the Rose Bowl. Sony Michelle retired from football this week. That means Sony Michelle was drafted in the first round, played for four different NFL teams, won two Super Bowls, and then retired all while Stetson Bennett was still in college. <laughs> that's crazy. Now, obviously, the pandemic had uh, had a lot to do with that, but that's still that's that is a crazy, crazy stat. I had no idea. It's not a stat. I guess it's just a fact. But yeah, Sony Michelle was part of that uh, Georgia team. It was obviously Nick Chubb. Uh, they had Sony Michelle, and the third guy, I believe, was DeAndre Swift. Uh, Jake Fromm was the quarterback. And uh, that is a game that will haunt Sooner fans, certainly. Had their chances. You had a squib kick, and you had Lincoln Riley wimping out. Or maybe the Sooners win the national championship that year. That's when you can look back. There there's some of those games where, like, SC 55-19, the LSU demolition of OU in the Peach Bowl, uh, you know, the Alabama-Orange Bowl matchup. Like, okay, yeah, we, that was a total butt-kicking. But... You look back on the the uh, Bob Stoops LSU game in New Orleans, you know, play here or there. Jason White's a little more healthy, whatever. You've got your chances there. The Florida game, if you have DeMarco Murray, and certainly that Georgia game out in Pasadena where the Sooners had a great chance to win that. It looked like they were going to run away with it early, but didn't quite work out that way. Seattle Sooner says it's Parker's last day as a single man and Mule Shoe is still a mouse. Also checking in for my current star rating. Well, I I was unaware that it was Seattle Sooner who just gave us his name midweek last week. I was unaware that it was you that was propagating the mule shoe mouse meme. But in recognition of that, we will assign you an initial four star texture rating. Congratulations, Seattle, Seattle star, Sooner. Huh? You were officially All a blue right. chipper. Sooner Steven wants to know go. any chance Peyton Moen starts this year. Well, he's up to 200 pounds, 199 if we're being technical. Uh, measured in at six feet tall and looks really, really good on the practice field. Looks like a guy that's going to bring 
some juice, both on defense and on special teams for Oklahoma. So is there a chance he starts this year? Yes. Would I bank on it at least initially? No. But regardless of whether he's technically designated a starter or not, you're going to see a lot of Peyton Bowen this fall. So you're thinking uh, that obviously Billy Bowman and uh, Reggie Pearson to start out? I would say Bowman and Pearson are the odds-on favorites to start at safety. Yes. Uh, also, I but guess yeah. You would think you'd see a lot of Peyton Bowen. Ronnie Crimson said BV is not playing around this year. Connor Near found that out the hard way today. I must have missed that. I don't know if there's something circulating on social media where BV is really ripping into Connor Near. I'll have to take a look around the Twitterverse in the break. But uh, yeah, we've BV got is some Connor Near sound we can play today. Oh, by the really? Way. Uh, spe- yeah, we do. Uh, speaking of, right before we do a break, let's do our dumbass clip of the week. All right. Uh, dumbass clip of the week. I, I didn't find one from this week, so we're going back to the archives. And uh, this one features uh, the one and only Colin Cowherd uh, theorizing why Oklahoma could be the next Nebraska. Is Oklahoma going to be the second program in our adult lives that disappears? The state no longer produces big numbers of players of the Sooners' 26 signees in their recruiting class. Three are from the state of Oklahoma. I'm not saying it's going to happen, but the three things Nebraska and Oklahoma have in common, states that don't produce a lot of high school stars, joined a conference that looks like it could be trouble for the program and couldn't get the coach right. Whoa! <laughs> Shut up, dumbass. <clears throat> What a bunch of dumbasses. <laughs> yeah, really. <laughs> there you go. That is, uh, again, the, the, the Sooners always bank on trying to get the best players in Oklahoma. You can look at 2025, what's going on there already, and what should be happening soon. But they have always gone to Texas and other places and gotten great players. It doesn't mean if Oklahoma's not producing a bunch of great players that Oklahoma is going to dry up and not be able to play football. That's never been the case. And that is our Dumbass Clip of the Week brought to you by dumbasses. They're dumb and they're asses. Take a timeout here at Riverwind Casino. Back to the text line. we got Brandon Drum at 135. Keep it here on the ref. We are back here at Riverwind Casino on a Friday. you got the one, the only Parker Thune back in the Buffalo Wild Wings Studios. Last day as a single man happening today. Nuptials tomorrow, full report on Monday. Good to have you along. Love being out here at Riverwind. Come have a great meal tonight at the River Buffet on steak night. Wow, I need to slow down. Come have a great meal at the River Buffet tonight on steak night. All you can eat steak for nineteen ninety nine. Great side dishes and dessert menu uh afterwards or dessert bar uh always a great opportunity to have a great meal here at riverwind we have chips and ales pub restaurant and the newly redesigned food court area is big time as well you get some great options over there all right uh 405 i got this uh this came via twitter or x now i'm still going twitter i'm still going Uh, twitter too i refuse i I refuse to call it i know i don't want to I don't want to do that. I don't want to call it X. Um, Steely, who will have the bigger impact, Kelly Maxwell or Trace Ford? Um, I think the bigger transfer is Kelly Maxwell because you're talking about a two-time All-American and on a team that, you know, wasn't winning national championships but was going to Oklahoma City to compete for them. But, again, uh, 
the Sooner dynasty pretty much, pretty much crushes uh, everything in its path these days. I think if Trace Ford is healthy, he's going to get after the quarterback and make plays. I think he's a great addition if he can stay healthy for OU. But I would say more impact because there are less, you know, pitching. The pitcher has so much impact on the game. I got to go with Kelly Maxwell there. Parker, what do you think? I would agree with your assessment. I think, you know, Kelly Maxwell, what she brings to the Oklahoma softball program, and it's obviously no knock on Trace Ford, but it goes significantly beyond what Trace Ford brings to the OU football program. And that is to say, if you take Trace Ford out of the Oklahoma edge room, you're still pretty dang confident about that group, all told. If you take Kelly Maxwell out of Oklahoma's pitching rotation – I would say, yeah, you still feel good about it, but with her being a two-time All-American, the boost that she gives to that group drastically outweighs the boost that Trey Ford gives to the Oklahoma defensive end group. Yeah, and it it kind of is all about the numbers, you know, like you talked about, uh, because, you know, the Sooners, again, uh, they have a lot of different options on that staff, and they've got a great uh, pitching coach in Jen Rocha, who has been very successful with uh, everybody they have brought in uh, on that staff. So, again, um, I, I would have to go with Kelly Maxwell. Uh, 405-651-3439. Let's get a few more in. Brandon Drum next hour, 135, and more recruiting talk next hour as well. Uh, <laughs> Big Rich and OKC said, Colin Cowherd is the love child of a donkey and a mule shoe. Uh, well, that's that's an inter- interesting perspective. But when he said that, you know, the the big flaw in that is, well, Oklahoma's not producing enough play, you know, or whatever. I mean, the Sooners, they've, they've relied so much on Texas and going south, you know, down I-35 to get so many great players over the years. And they, they can still recruit on a national level. I mean, we've seen that. And with the SEC, it's going to be even more so. Um, so... I think the uh, the flaw there, again, more than anything else that I heard in his argument was the, uh, you know, well, there just aren't enough kids in Oklahoma. Well, that's kind of always been the case. Now, you always have some really good years, like 2025, Parker, great year in state, right? Phenomenal year in state. Uh, another text from Ohio Sooner on the text line says, Oklahoma is the next Nebraska FS1 must be down abysmally bad if they are regurgitating this for the 400th time since the move to the SEC was announced. Yeah, well, FS1 is down bad enough that they're now pairing Lil Wayne with Skip Bayless. Which, do they still call it? Wait a minute, is that official? Like that's the permanent move? Like that's an actual thing. What is that show called? Undisputed? I knew that he was tight with Lil Wayne, but man, that's interesting. Uh, there was a listener that asked, and this this is Sooner Steven with a V. We have to uh, make that clear because we have a, a Sooner Steven with a V and a, Studer, and a Sooner Steven with a PH. Sooner Steven with a V says, Parker, there is a picture of the defensive line from today. Marcus Stripling was in it. Did he change positions or was he just soaking in the coach's knowledge? Uh, no, Marcus Stripling hasn't changed positions. He's He's always been a defensive end. Uh, that's, that's never not been the case. Uh, Johnny from UConn says, congratulations, Parker. Thank you, Johnny from UConn. Uh, he also had, he also added, Hey guys, can I ask for prayers? 
My one-year-old is getting testing done in a few days for lymphoma. Yes, Johnny from UConn. Uh, we will definitely, 100%. We will definitely keep you and your child in our prayers. Johnny from UConn, Johnny from UConn, put him on your prayer list, people. Yes, that's, uh, man, we hope that works out. Uh, let's get a couple. Okay. Let's, yeah, we'll, yeah, let's get a couple yeah, more in more? here. I think we can get a couple more in. How did the defensive line look today? Better getting off the bus? Yes, immensely better getting off the bus. You can see how much progress there's been in the weight room under Jerry Schmidt, not just on the defensive line, but across the entire roster. Peyton Moen, I think, is one of the most conspicuous case studies. He was 188 in the spring. He's 199 and looking a lot more muscular. There you go. All right, that'll be a wrap for hour number one. Some great text rolling in, as always, on the Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line, 405-651-3439. Appreciate all of those. Next hour, Brandon Drum, 135. We'll also jump into more recruiting well before that. So we've got a lot ahead on this Friday. Happy to be here at Riverwind. Happy you're along for the ride today. Keep it right here on The Ref. We love to talk, especially on a Friday. And uh, that's what we're going to be doing up until, uh, well, for me, 2 o'clock, for uh, Parker, 3 o'clock. And uh, good to have you along on a Friday here at Riverwind Casino. Again, uh, the newly redesigned gaming floor and uh, other parts of the casino, if you haven't been out here, look amazing. And I would highly recommend you coming out to be entertained and win some money and eat well here at Riverwind Casino. You can even sleep well at the uh, hotel. It's highly rated. It is uh, when I have to go through the hotel to get out to the uh, vehicle, I had to uh, do that a lot while some construction was going on. They've got this incredible video screen now on the side of the uh, casino facing east that is just unbelievable. And uh, every time I went through the hotel, man, that place is spick and span, and it looks amazing as well. But we have tonight's steak night at the River Buffet. They are celebrating again with another great promotion, the $100,000 New Scene 17 celebration. Riverwind, again, celebrating its birthday in the month of August, as they always do. Come on out and win your share of $100,000 in cash and bonus play. We have uh, shows at the Showplace Theater. Next up, Dwight Yoakam, August 19th. That's sold out, but you can get seats for the Counting Crows show. August 25th, we have a big Beats and Bites show to close out the summer with Gary Allen, August 26th. So uh, you can get tickets at riverwind.com or at the uh, casino box office. And we also, again, we got one added this week. Gin Blossoms are coming back with Tonic and Wakeland August 22nd. So we have another Fall Beats and Bites show. We had uh, Bedlam Beats and Bites last year, which went off great. People loved it. And I think people are going to come out in droves and see uh, the Gin Blossoms with Tonic and Wakeland October 22nd on the Coupel Works Beats and Bites stage. So, again, the renovation is spectacular. Always a great time seeing Justin, all the folks out here at Riverwind Casino. want to also tell you about our new 1 o'clock hour sponsor, and that's Oklahoma Generators. You can find them online at okgen.com or call 405-321-6631, Oklahoma's highest-rated and longest-operating generic dealer. They're the uh, most experienced service and sales sales staff in the state, uh, working with generators, Oklahoma generators, currently offering customer discounts, brand-new ones, 
uh, a free 10-year warranty, and you get that with a new installation. You never know in the state of Oklahoma when you're going to need a generator, but at some point you're going to need one. All right, Parker, hey, why don't we pull up the uh, the Connor Near clip, by the way. Uh, Connor Near uh, talking about what his teammates have told him because this is a kid who is coming from Division Three. Ferris Division State? two. Division two. Division two. Is there a Division three? There is. Okay. Ferris State. You know, and I'm thinking. I keep thinking when I saw that, like you know, I'm picturing uh, Ferris Bueller and uh, you know Cameron Fry and Abe Froman and all of that stuff. You know, that's that's the way my mind works. But he was a two-time All-American there. The Sooner coaches have said, man, when this guy walked into the room, uh, uh, he looked pretty special, and he's been drawing some pretty rave reviews so far. Here's what Connor Neer said, meeting the media the other day, about what his teammates have told him about what it's going to be like to play uh, on Owen Field in the Big 12. Number one, the, how loud the stands are and <laughs> the fans are. Um, that's going to be a little bit different. But um, just the physicality and uh, being prepared at, at every step, um, I'm really looking forward to it. I had a great summer. Um, everybody out here is athletic. Like, there's no bottom percent, you know. Everybody's up there. So it was a fun to get out and compete with everybody this summer. Brent referred before to Danny and Jaron as freaking crack. Yep. Uh, what's it like just getting to know those guys? Uh, it's, been a, it's been a good time. That's a good, uh, good explanation for freaking frack. Um, they're both cool, though. Good guys to be around. Um, always bringing energy. Always got something fun to say. But at the same time, they're both really serious and they kind of like when I came in, like they're kind of the dudes that run the room a little bit. Um, Kobe's up there too, and uh, but so they they bounce off good with each other though. They're fun to be around. There you go, Connor Near again. Uh, that is our Ortho Central clip of the day, brought to you by Ortho Central with longtime clinics in Norman and Midwest City. Now the new Tri City spot serving Newcastle, Tuttle, and Blanchard. These full service clinics do an unbelievable job of treating orthopedic and sports medicine injuries. So how, what is the pecking order you think at linebacker? It's pretty clear. Danny Stutzman's number one. Uh, how would you rate the linebackers in terms of a number of snaps you think we'll see them play at least early in the season or even deeper into the season? What do you think, Parker? Well, I think Danny Stutzman is – it's kind of understood that Danny Stutzman is going to get the most run of any Oklahoma linebacker. Do we want to throw Desan McCullough into this conversation? We want to throw Cheetah into the linebacker conversation, Steely? Just for the yeah, I, I guess we can, right, because it's a, it's a hybrid position. But, yeah, I, I, I think we could do that. Okay, so just – yeah, just wanted to get that straight. Wanted to get our semantics aligned before we launched into the discourse. But I'll bet you that it's Danny Stutzman that gets the most snaps at linebacker, followed by Desan McCullough. I'll put Jaron Kanick at three and Connor Near at four. Kobe McKenzie is kind of the guy that, to me, on this depth chart – is best positioned to make a charge at a larger snap count throughout fall camp if he can continue some of the if he can continue to do some of the same stuff he was doing in the spring and throughout the summer if that carries over to fall camp Kobe McKenzie is somebody that could end up playing a lot more than any of us anticipate right now. Yeah, and um I kind of figured that would be how your list looked, and uh, which leads me to this. What did Brent say about Gavin Freeman the other day? He said, 
best well, receiver. Well, you know, I know there's some fans out there that are thinking, what? Well, Gavin Freeman's your best receiver? Well, pfft, what kind of receiver room do you have, you know? And, wow, you know, there must be a bunch of disappointing uh, prospects there in the wideout room. Um, who did Sooner fans want to see play last year at linebacker throughout the season? Jaron Cannon. Right. So if he starts and plays more over Jaron Kanick, is it kind of the same reaction you think that Sooner fans will have that, wow, this kid comes in from Ferris State. I don't care if he was an All-American. Jaron Kanick must be overrated. How how do you think they would react? There will assuredly be some of that, but I think part of the reason why so many of us were clamoring for Jaron Kanick to play more last fall is because – the linebackers were not very good, and the defense as a whole was not very good. If Connor Neer is playing well, then I don't think anybody's going to complain about Jaron Kanick not seeing the field, especially if Oklahoma, as a defense, as a collective unit, is having success on top of that. But if the Sooners are kind of getting kicked around the way that they were defensively a year ago, and Connor Neer's leaving some meat on the bone in terms of his level of play then, yes, you're going to have folks clamoring for Jaron Kanick to get on the field a lot more than he will. And he is going to see the field more than he did a year ago. That much we know for certain. He looks really impressive. And we were out there at practice this morning, and I would definitely highlight him as one of the guys that seemingly has made some really big gains throughout the spring and summer in Schmidt's workout program. Because he, he was already a big dude, right? He was, he was already a muscular guy. But even so, he just looks more chiseled and more fit than he did a year ago, than he even did this spring. You know who doesn't like guys making a progress in their offseason program and celebrating it, right? Mule shoe? Caden McFarland. We're trying oh, to get okay, him to come okay, on okay. and make an apology on uh, Worldwide Radio. So we'll see if we can get our friend Cade McFarland to come on and do that soon for uh, Sooner Nation. But, you know, and I think you hit the nail on the head there because even Brent said, uh, you know, recently, looking back, I should have played more guys, should have played the young guys more. And that's where people were frustrated. But the other thing, again, there were just, you know, Brent's defense, again, you it's attention to detail. I mean, I'm minute details. Um, and, and that was, you know, but we saw them, Danny Stutzman, line up and taking wrong steps and being, you know, uh, you know, six inches too far left or right, whatever, that doesn't sound right. But you know what I'm saying? In the, uh, in the defensive scheme, it's, it's so much about the details. And I, I think, though, that Canick, we know he's got great natural ability. You saw a lot of it, for instance, in the Nebraska game last year. Uh, got great speed. Just got all the tools to be a, a big-time linebacker, there's no doubt. But you know what Brent thinks about, man. If you're a technician and you can make the play and be in the right place, doesn't have to be spectacular, just make the play. And maybe that's what Connor Neer provides maybe earlier in the season. Or maybe Canick figures it all out, and then with that incredible athleticism and ability he has, he becomes a star even you know this season. We'll have to wait and see how it plays out. But you are still as high on Jaron Canick as you were when Oklahoma landed him, right? No, every bit as high as I was on Jaron Canick when Oklahoma landed him. I think it, it's very glaringly obvious to anybody that watched OU football a year ago, 
And it's glaringly obvious when you read between the lines within Brent Venables' comments that Jaron Kanick should have played more as a true freshman than he did. But even so, he's certainly a guy that was always poised to take the biggest leap freshman to sophomore year. And that's what I expect from him. That's what many expect from him. Really good point on the text line from Slim Brady who says, I don't think it was just that the backers were bad, but it also didn't feel like they ever got a breather. And that is true. I kind of forgot about 100%. that. 100%. But, like, especially down the stretch in those games where you were really having to engage in a slugfest to try and forge your way past Baylor or West Virginia or Kansas, and it's the it's the early stage of the fourth quarter, and you see those guys out there on the field. They've sweated through their jerseys. They're visibly exhausted, and you're still trotting David Aguebu and Deshaun White out there for their 70th, 75th snap of a given football game, and Jaron Kanick has played maybe five snaps. Yeah, that was frustrating. Yeah, no doubt, and uh, competitive depth, though, that is it, man. It's all about the competitive depth. We keep hearing that time and time again. But, you know, here's the deal somebody was saying to me. Man, you know, back when I was watching the Sooners in the 70s and the 80s, you didn't have to run all these players in and out. Everybody, you know, until it was 49 to nothing, then the reserves came in. Well, it's it's a totally different era. There are so many more snaps played in college football now. I mean, I, I, would, I, I don't know what the uh, discrepancy might be. Like, if somebody could look back at plays like Oklahoma ran in a – in a wishbone game back in 74-75 when they won back-to-back national championships versus, you know, the spread offense, let's spread the field, throw it all around, you know, uh, snap the ball within 8 to 10 seconds. They've got to be 15, 20 more plays a game, maybe more in some instances. So you can get a lot more winded, even if you're in shape, uh, you know, obviously, uh, than you did back then. So you need you need fresh bodies at every position. And the Sooners, you know, look like they're going to have a lot better situation than that department uh, coming up this year. No question. That's what the competitive depth's all about, right? All right. Want to thank uh, Oklahoma Generators again for sponsoring our uh, one o'clock hour. Now, welcome aboard. Find them at OKGen, OKGen.com, or call four zero five. 321-6631. Mike Steely here at my home away from home. The one, the only, simply the best. Riverwind Casino on a Friday. Parker Thum, he will not be single. He'll be a married man when we get back on Monday. He's in the Buffalo Wild Wing Studios. And uh, great to have you guys with us. We'll get back to the text when we return. And we also have Brandon Drum on the way at 135 right here on the Home of Sooner Fans. Keep it here. Welcome back. Good to have you along here on this Friday. Hope everybody's having a great Friday so far. Looking forward to the weekend. The Thune family nuptials are uh, tomorrow. So the parents are in town and uh, uh, listening to award-winning radio, I presume, right now. Or do they listen all the time? Well, I don't know when they listen and when they don't. They never tell me in the moment. I always find out after the fact they'll bring up something that we talked about on a given day. I was like, I had no idea you were listening. So I don't know if they're listening right now. I know they went to Rudy's for barbecue earlier. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm not sure whether they have tuned in or not. But what I do know is that they're not tuned in to any other radio station. There you go. They uh, What was the uh, cheesy old radio promo? 
Uh, set that dial and rip the knob off. That's what they've done. Uh, I'm sure. But, Mr. and Mrs. Thune, you've done a fine job. I, I will say you've done an outstanding job. Take a bow, unless you're driving, and uh, you've done a fine job with uh, your son. He is uh, he's a, uh, well, he was a media prodigy. He was kind of like the Doogie Hauser of the media, and he's going to have a long, outstanding career. So, job well done. Have you seen Blink and Riley's tweets? No, I have not. Some of them. Wait, well, yeah, I've seen Blink, Blink and, and Riley's tweets. I haven't seen, are, are you referring to a specific tweet? Like today, yeah, he's he's been talking about, uh, you know, that Oregon and uh, Washington going to the Big Ten. Blinken, uh, Blinken's doing Blinken things, and he said, Eugene, Oregon is closer to Acapulco, Mexico, than it is to College Park, Maryland. Rutgers is roughly the same distance from UCLA as it is from Bogota, Colombia. Seattle is closer to Russia than it is to Piscataway, New Jersey. So... <laughs> That's why Blinken is Blinken right there. Good stuff. Blinken always has the juice. Yeah, he does. Yeah, he's a defender of the uh, the Sooner Nation. And uh, the man, you know, when you are armed with facts, I wonder if Blinken just anticipates, all right, here's what they could come, come back, come at us with today. And then he just has like an arsenal of nuclear weapons that he can fire right back. So... Uh, and Blinken Riley mushroom clouds are everywhere, all over Twitter. Uh, you know, it seems like every day. All right, you want to get some more texts in? 405-651-3439. We do have Brandon Drum coming up, Riverwind Casino Hotline, next segment. A listener in the 405 says, Steely, have you ever told Parker how you fooled many people for years into thinking that you were completely technologically illiterate when the opposite is true? I don't know that I'm a savant or anything, but, I mean, for my age, I would put myself up in the top 5% or so. Definitely the top 10%. I, I mean, don't know I do any other 59. Yeah, I was about to say, I don't know any other 59-year-olds that are streaming Fortnite on a daily basis. Well, and that's just juvenile, you know. But, you know, there's a lot of stuff I put into that stream, though, in terms of... Uh, you know, that I've had to learn how to do because we have like 75 different scenes in that stream. Um, and it's just a place to hang out, you know, play some games. We talk a little sports, too, and everything else. But, um, you know, I will say at first I was a little bit like, man, can I do this? Uh, because it's not just like a podcast. There's so many things that go into it, and I'm trying to run like five or six elements at once sometimes. So in that respect... I don't feel that old. In many other ways, I feel older than what I am. So, anyway. All right. Back to the text line. Back to the text line. We go. <laughs> the listener says, Pac-12 tried to pinky swear promise a better deal was coming. Uh, <laughs> another listener said, Seattle is closer to Soviet Rus- Russia in general. I've never been to Seattle. I have. I can neither confirm nor deny that. Uh, well, remember uh, Sarah Palin? Well, you're too young to remember, but Sarah no, I Palin said, Sarah, I, Sarah I, Palin. I can see Russia, you know, from my backyard or whatever. So, yeah, I mean, that one, it sounds at first like, wow, and then you're like, oh, yeah, well, that makes sense. But, yes. But it's still good. It's still a good tweet, though. Chapstick says, talking about depth and snap counts, etc., it also helps when the whole Selman family is your defensive line. That's a lot of talent in one place. 
Oh, my gosh. The Selmans, like I said, the first family of Oklahoma football, no doubt about it. And what I love about the Selman brothers is they absolutely dominated, but they were as humble as you can be. Uh, you know, I even think the way they were raised in this day and age, uh, Leroy, Lucius, and Dewey would be the exact same. Um, and I know people, well, you know, they would have grown up. So I just, that's how, you know, I, I truly believe that. That, you know, you have guys that were that great, particularly Leroy. And believe me, Dewey and, and Lucius were really good players. But, you know, it's Leroy who's in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. And most people would say pound for pound is the greatest Sooner player of all time. But not only that, their character and the kind of people, you know, that Leroy was and what they've been, you know, over the years. Uh, exemplary lives. Nobody's perfect, but the Silman brothers pretty close to it. There you go. Zach from the 405 has an interesting question. Does the newest wave of conference realignment go back all the way to Oklahoma just wanting Nebraska as a night game? I mean, uh, I, I do think the uh, the 11 a.m. kicks maybe took their toll. And I also think that, you know, OU... For years and years and years, it was, man, if you had season tickets, in some ways you were really lucky because there was a waiting list for season tickets. Now, I understand stadium expansion, you know, better ways to view a game, you know, on TV. Some people will say, well, the concessions and the parking, it's ridiculous what you pay, you know, in addition to a ticket. Uh, You know, and it's just for some people that particularly the, the olds, it's more of a hassle to get out and deal with all that stuff than to sit in front of a big screen TV uh, on your couch. But um, at the same time, I think that they were also looking for, you know, you've got to uh, go down the right financial road. You can't be left behind. Oklahoma's a blue blood program with a great athletic director uh, and a really good president. So they were looking to the future. It was, it was the best move for Oklahoma. Now, the thing that I'm worried about, not worried about, but what I think I'm curious about is how the OU fans are going to deal with some six and six seasons or some, you know, even an eight and four season, which might even get you in the college football playoff. You know, they're just so used to winning games. And even though we'll have a 12 team playoff to be the uh, kind of the safety net uh, in that situation, but Oklahoma fans, you know, they, uh, you know, a two-loss season for OU fans is, you know, that sets off the alarm bells, right? And now, you know, get used to that. I, I think they will, but, you know, for so long, it just got – Big 12 fatigue was was real, you know. You lost one of your rivals in Nebraska, um, and, you know, it, just the same trips. I think it's going to be a lot more fun, but I am, again, curious to see how the OU fans react when – you're not the bully in the conference anymore. You know, tweeted this out yesterday, and everybody knows it, but um, OU, again, if they win the conference championship this year, and they have a chance to do it, you know, if they make uh, the, the proper steps this year, I think they're going to be better, then they would have won 15 and the rest of the league would have won 15. Now, for a while, it looked like, you know, the, until the last few years, the Sooners had more than the rest of the league combined. But if you can finish out this year winning the, winning the league championship, Go into the SEC and think about your Big 12 run 
30-year run, you won half the league championships, that's pretty unbelievable. So, but, Parker, how do you think the OU fans will deal with the new reality of, man, we're excited about the SEC, these matchups. Oh, my gosh, you know, we're we're five and three, eight games into the season, or four and four every now and then, maybe. Well, two things to note there. One, it's going to make your program better. Maybe not immediately, but in the long run, it's going to be better for your program's bottom line to be playing Tennessee and Auburn and LSU week in and week out and not Kansas State and Baylor and Iowa State. Not that those programs are the scum of the Power Five, because they're not, but the point is, if you're playing Auburn and Tennessee and LSU on a weekly basis, that's preparing you to contend for a national championship, more so than that Big 12 slate has ever prepared any Oklahoma or any other top-flight contender from within the conference when it comes to their shot to make and win a college football playoff. I think the other thing to be mindful of here is that the college football playoff field is expanding to 12 teams. So you will have more margin for error in terms of wins and losses. You can comfortably lose two and perhaps even three games over the course of your SEC slate and still have a legitimate chance to make the college football playoff field. So it's not as if one loss suddenly puts your playoff hopes on life support beginning in the 2024 season. At that point, one loss gives you an opportunity to lick your wounds, figure out what went wrong, and get back on track. And especially with Oklahoma residing in the SEC in terms of their conference alignment, there's going to be more leeway given to them in the win-loss column in particular because of the strength of schedule that will exist for the program. So I I know it's it, – it, let me put it this way. It's probably going to be tough for a couple years because Oklahoma fans aren't used to 9-3. and three. They're used to 11-1, and one, right? And that's going to be a tough adjustment to make. Hopefully the 6-7 and seven season a year ago helped reset expectations a little bit. But – It'll be tough for the first couple of years, and then it'll all become the new normal. Yeah, and the one thing, the other side of that coin could be that, you know, that when if you lose a game, there's already anxiety in the current setup if you're an Oklahoma fan. And you think about losing a second game, you're like, you're about to have a heart attack because you know there's no shot of you, you know, getting uh, in, in almost every scenario, getting to the championship game. So maybe it'll take a little bit of the anxiety away. Uh, because you can afford, uh, you know, a couple more losses. Let's break right here. we got Brandon Drum coming up Friday at Riverwind. Mike Steely along with Parker Thune right here on the home of Sooner fans. Yeah, I'm here. You hear me? All right, welcome back. Good to have you with us. Sorry, I couldn't hear the uh, music coming back for some reason, but we are here at Riverwind Casino on a Friday, and uh, good to have you with us. And I'm not sure we're we're trying to make a connection with Brandon. We should we have got him Brandon. on here in just a minute. Okay, we got Brandon ready to go, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, Brandon, uh, Brandon helped us out earlier this week, which we appreciate very much, and got rave reviews by the way. Rotten Tomatoes had him at 97 percent. Metacritic's always more critical. They had uh, Brandon at 89. But that's pretty good for Metacritic. 
Uh, Brandon, let's talk about the Sooners getting a jump start on 2025, and it looks like there are more names uh, to come here, you know, in the pretty quickly, you would think, for the 2025 class. Uh, this is going to be different because some of you fans, you know, they're obviously accustomed to playing the waiting game. Uh, and to an extent, you're always going to have to do that with Brent's uh, classes because of the uh, visit philosophy that they have. But uh, by the time the Sooners like kick off the season, how many commitments do you think they could have in that 2025 class? Ooh, uh, they have how many now? Five, correct, in the class? I it's think they four, I believe. Four? Okay, six or seven. I think it's very plausible. I mean, I'm trying to think off the top. Six, I think six is, I don't want to say guaranteed. I, I think that's a bad use of the word, but I, I'm leaning towards that very if that have very, very heavily, if that makes sense. So, uh, I, and I think seven, if another pops that we feel is getting very, very close, uh, would be another big name for Oklahoma to land. Uh, so I, I think... I think six or seven, and um, I think by October or November, if they're really hitting on all cylinders in the uh, 2023 season, I think you could see close to 11 or 12 um, committed by that point, just because there's so many in state fields that they've positioned themselves so well with right out right out of the gate. Now, Brandon, it's been the most popular topic of conversation all week amongst the fan base, but we have to ask you, what is your current gauge on the williams Nuaneri recruitment? I dislike you very much right now, Parker. <laughs> <laughs> um, i got to get the target off my back for a while. No joke, I call you all the time trying to get you just to help me because people are blowing my phone up. I'm like, talk to Parker, not me. Um yeah, you know, I, I talked to somebody just a second ago, and that's why I was missing your call. Is and they had the same feeling I have. Like, there's just something about this Missouri stuff that doesn't make sense. Like this NIL stuff that keeps getting thrown around because they can pay him second he signs and all that type of stuff. Okay, that's great and all, but if he's an early enrollee that gives you one payment ahead of what Oklahoma could give the, give him the second he steps on campus. So, I mean, I don't buy the NIL aspect gives them that much. Now, let me preface this by also saying, if the numbers are correct, and I think there's a little bit of misinformation being floated out there as well, as far as numbers, That's going to be. But at the same time, Oklahoma's being super competitive in this NIL world. I mean, look, they just won that NIL with Devon Mitchell against Miami, of all teams. Miami is known as a team with limitless pockets because of Life Wallet and John Ruiz, right? So they won that battle. They won the battle with Jaden Jackson with Ohio State, with Texas, with Miami. Again, all three of those programs seem to have limitless 
pockets with NIL, and yet here you have Oklahoma going toe-to-toe with those two programs. So I don't think NIL is the issue. I think, does he want to stay in state? Does he want to be two hours closer to home? Or does he want to follow all of his friends and go to the place where he's probably been more than anywhere else is Oklahoma? And right now I tend to lean towards the latter part, but you're completely naive if you don't give Missouri a chance. What I think is crazy is the the Georgia stuff floated out by the Georgia analysts right now is it's a Georgia-Missouri battle, and they are the only ones speaking that right now. Could they be right? I guess. I've seen crazier things happen. I just don't buy it right now. But I say it all the time, two weeks, ten days, that's a lifetime in recruiting, and a lot's going to happen between now and then. All right, we've got a couple minutes left. Uh, what do you, uh, both of you guys weigh in? What's going on with Michael Boganowski? We know that Muleshoe offered recently. What do you think? Is there an update there? What do you think could happen uh, with his recruiting? I, I Still a K-State Oklahoma battle. I think the kid is legitimately torn to the point where I thought that a decision would come this month and I still feel like that could take place, but I'm I'm less confident than ever. I think the kid is that torn. I think he really wants to see how Oklahoma is going to perform and how K-State's going to perform during the season. And I think that's going to play some part into his decision. I, I, it just seems like it's trending more and more to a fall decision than it does before the fall decision, fall season decision. And that wasn't the case just two weeks ago. It wasn't the case a week ago. It's just some things I've heard over the last few days leads me to believe that, you know, he's that torn and that he's not ready to say no. I don't think USC is there right now at all. I can't see them getting a visit before he makes a decision, though. The longer it drags out, the more I guess they do have a chance to build a relationship. They're just playing so many months behind. It just would be hard to believe at this point. Brandon, I I would love to know your thoughts on perhaps the quietest edition of Oklahoma's 2024 class to date. And it came down earlier this week as the Sooners flipped Northwestern quarterback commit Brendan Zerbrug. What do you like about the decision to take a second quarterback, and what do you like about Zerbrug specifically? Well, first off, you know he's going to be smart, right? Northwestern guy. I don't think he has the strongest arm, but I think he has an adequate arm. Uh, I think he's mobile. Uh, I think he fits as far as culturally with Oklahoma, and I think that's what you're looking for in a second quarterback. I don't think you're looking for a game changer. The the game changer they were looking for went to Cincinnati, and I think when I say game changer, I'm talking about the ability to run around with the legs and all that. You had that. And you have that in Michael Hawkins already in 2024. You have that in Kevin Sperry in 25. You need somebody that's a little different, right? Like somebody that can that can get things done cerebrally more than physically. And I think that's what Zerbrug brings to the table. I think he brings more depth in 24 because, you know, Dylan Gabriel leaves. We're going to be stuck with a little bit less uh, – 
firepower in 24. And, I, and look, he may be able to have a medical hardship. I don't think he's going to take it. I think he's going to try to test the waters in professional ball. So um, you need another guy because you'll have Hawkins. Obviously, you'll have um, Jackson Arnold. I think you've got one more year of Bevel. You've got Booty, and then you've got Zerbrug. So you just need a little – you needed a little bit more – um, depth there that you feel comfortable with, and I think Zerbrug's going to bring that to the table and and be a good locker room guy. And that I think that goes further than some fans believe it does. Brandon, good stuff, man. I really appreciate you this week. Uh, you uh, you were in you know with us for a couple days as well, and you know in studio and everything, doing segments. So I appreciate that, and uh, we will talk to you again soon. Have a great weekend. I'll probably see you right, at the food nuptials. Brandon Drum, ladies and gentlemen, joining us here on the Home of Sooner Fans. Let's get a quick break in, come back with some final notes. We'll see if all the conferences are still uh, uh, still intact. We know that the uh, Pac-12 isn't, but we'll talk about that and have a few final notes next right here on the Home of Sooner Fans. We are back at Riverwind on a Friday. Always something to do. Uh, win a jackpot. Have a great meal. See a great show. Hang out here at Riverwind Casino. You can even stay the weekend if you're coming from uh, well outside the uh, Norman, Oklahoma City metro area. They have a world-class hotel attached right to the casino. And, again, uh, if you haven't seen the renovation, you may have driven by it on I-35 and seen the incredible uh, new video screen they have uh you know, facing east, which is incredible. Always a great experience here at Riverwind Casino. Always happy to be out here on a Friday representing the ref and Riverwind Casino. So, Parker, um, interesting. One of your uh, one of your former bosses had uh, something to say. Uh, and let me see. Our friend uh, John Hoover just tweeted out. College football did a great job selling its product, but then college football sold its soul. Did anyone think this would somehow end any differently? So did college football sell its soul, as your old boss, John Hoover, is saying. I, that's a very broad question, and I I don't know. Like I'd have to unpack that from a variety of angles before I was comfortable giving one answer either way. One thing is evident, though, is that the NCAA and the powers that be within the corporate offices in Indianapolis are to blame for a lot of how this has gone down. That is undeniable. That is unquestionable. Like I, I think we spend so much time in our Oklahoma bubble that sometimes we lose sight of the onus behind some of the happenings around the rest of the college football landscape and so I don't want to give an answer out of turn I don't want to say something that is uninformed or even underinformed but I dislike the direction of college football we are losing the well like I'll I'll be honest I think we're losing the heart of what college football is And the heart of college football is contained in, A, its tradition, its history, and, B, in its rivalry series, the games that we look forward to every single year. And, obviously, 
OU and Texas did their part to preserve one of the most historic rivalries in the history of college football. Auburn and Alabama, Ohio State and Michigan, those aren't in danger of going anywhere. But I think we would be remiss if we didn't acknowledge that we're going to lose some of, not necessarily the top-tier rivalry games, but some of those games that historically carry a lot of significance and are part of college football lore. I think the most pertinent example for OU fans would be Oklahoma-Nebraska. Yeah, and um, like I said, you, you know, you initially look at it, and man, these SEC matchups are going to be great, and they are. They're going to be fun, but the uh, overall direction, I, I don't know. I think another big domino clearly was the Supreme Court decision, which uh, really cleared the way for, for uh, NIL, which is good for the players, but when big money's involved, and uh, these football programs mean so much to uh, so many, a lot of these universities that you knew it was going to get out of control. And it's already well out of control. So I'm hoping we rein it back in because who, where do we riot? If they ruin college football, they, being the man, if they ruin college football, if I'm still around in 10 years, where do we riot? Where do we go? That's what I want to know, because I'm going to be leading the charges of the riot. Please don't ruin college football, because it's the best thing we have going. And look, I like the NFL, too, but college football, to me, has been the sport forever and ever and ever. Amen. Uh, And if you run it, if you ruin it, we're going to have to have a, uh, we're going to have to storm the castle somewhere. I just need to know. I don't who, know where that would be. I just want to know who we're pinning this on. Who is the one individual yeah. ultimately yeah. responsible for the downfall of the college football world that we knew and loved? Not that college football itself has gone anywhere, but it is objectively not the same. And I want to know who we are who we are blaming. Who is going to be the scapegoat? I think the clear uh, the clear person is Muleshoe. I think it's all on Muleshoe. That's who I think it's on. No, I, I would go Texas 1, Mule Shoe 2. I don't know. I just hope again when I, I see all this stuff, and, you know, it's fun to speculate and talk about, and you've got shysters out there everywhere, you know, getting uh, getting clicks on all this uh, conference realignment stuff. But I don't know, man. I just hope we can keep college football, you know, somewhat pure. All right, got to get out of here. Thank you, Riverwind. Everybody have a great weekend. We'll see you.